Welcome to Kid Tech, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with the makers, movers, and influencers of the kids' digital media space. Today, I am with Emma Warello. Yep. Founder of the Pineapple Lounge, um, which is an incredibly interesting um, insights and research company. Um, and I've got so many questions to ask you. Welcome. Thank you. Um, first of all, um, how would you describe what Pineapple Lounge do? Mm. Probably, probably differently to how I do it. Yeah, so we help brands um, build meaningful relationships with kids and families. Um, and we do that through a mix of services. We do insight, we do strategy, we do innovation. But our goal is to, to help them um, find meaning um, within the relationships that they have with young people and their parents. And how did it begin? I mean, how did you get here? <laughs> so I started in um, qualitative research, is right. my background, with a little bit of a stint as a professional fairy, actually, <laughs> kids entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, literally, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I specialised in children's research quite quickly because mm. um, I found them far more interesting. And then um, I founded the Pineapple Lounge. This is actually my 10th year. Um, I started it um, after a maternity leave, actually, with my first child. Mm. And it really came from a place of me feeling like the approach to children's research had got a bit flat. Right. And that we were kind of on the cusp of a completely new and dynamic generation of kids. But the way that we were still researching them mm. and talking about them and kind of outputting work around their culture didn't really feel like it was doing them justice and mm. um, so yeah that's kind of where it came from really to be a bit disruptive in that space and was that generation of kids essentially created by the ipad if i sort of go back 10 years it's almost exactly that time right yeah so we founded in 2010 which right. was the year of the ipad and the birth of generation alpha uh, i knew it was steve jobs fault um <laughs> The what I mean, at this point, you must have seen, you know, so many things that have worked and not worked for companies. I mean, what are the biggest mistakes that companies make when they're trying to build relationships with that generation? Yeah, I think in terms of trying to understand them, one of the, the, the big pitfalls is asking the same people the same questions right. over and over again. Right. So, you know, it's 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 cool and it's fun to get a bunch of kids into a room to share your idea and ask them some questions but you have to see the entire context around um, how children are growing up and you actually have to look forwards and you have to look a bit backwards as well to sort of see where they've come from and see where their parents have come from mm. and sometimes you have to look upside down and inside out so I think one of the that is one of the downfalls and that's kind of mm. where the agency came from was that we were just always asking similar questions in mm. similar ways um, and getting to the same same results and, and as we know the world is rapidly moving um, all of the time um, so to be able to be one step ahead of that which I think is increasingly the challenge for brands trying to engage with young children um, mm. and teens um, we have to ask different questions. And uh, you must have been surprised by something. I mean, at this point, I assume you've you've seen just an entire spectrum of, of you know, behaviors and trends and patterns and things like that. What, what has surprised you over the last mm. few years in terms of looking at, at sort of the generation's behavior? Yeah, I'm quite hard to surprise now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there there are some there are some things that that do sort of crop up that you think, huh, that's that's kind of interesting. One of them, I think, is um, the relationship that children 
have with um, their parents in particular um, and how that is a kind of evolving beast and the impact that that has on how they um, kind of define who they are. Um, and I think in particular, we often think about children, you know, they're so influenced by people that they see on YouTube mm. and the internet. But actually, more often than not, when you talk to them about who their biggest role models are, it is their parents um, and this kind of uh, closeness and the friendship that they're having with their parents is, I think, really quite an evolution in, mm. in family relationships. Is that being aided by technology? I think there's 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 a few things. I think there's um, kind of modern parents um, are more childlike themselves <laughs> in some respects, so they find it kind of easier um, and more enjoyable to dive into kids' worlds. Um, I also think there is more entertainment and technology that provides points of bonding. Mm. Um, so a lot of millennial parents, for example will be unwilling to compromise their own entertainment when right. they're spending time with their children. So they're looking for those mm. like things that they're both passionate about. And that means that adult and child worlds, which used to be quite separate, have become much more joined up and there's much more fluidity between them and how they kind of step in and out of them. Does that mean long term, or certainly for this generation, that the TV in the family home is, is sort of still a pretty pivotal device in terms of bringing bringing those two groups together yeah i think so yeah um i think the way it's used is obviously quite it's quite different sure. um and obviously the personal devices mean that there is a lot more individual content um being watched although there is more physical time together mm. so even though on different things there's more physical time together but yeah mm. the tv is kind of become more of a uh, event or a special moment so moments like films or those kind of ritualized tv shows that they'll watch together or big events like glastonbury and the mm. olympics they'll really kind of bring the family together on that big screen but i would say that is the family entertainment genre is still quite has a lot of catching up to do with mm. what families want in terms right. of co-viewing right i mean i've always been amazed that board games aren't more popular i mean in certain parts of the world they are right i mean have you seen sort of any evidence in in, in any of the work you've been doing on, on the resurgence of board games yeah. sort of around around this same topic yeah i have been lucky enough to work on that um topic actually right. um and it is it is astounding uh, it doesn't seem to matter how progressed we get with technology and different ways of doing things the board mm. game um market still remains um immortal <laughs> uh, and it's and it's thriving and i think even more so now because uh, we're getting more sophisticated with um, our understanding of needing to unplug and to mm. kind of get into flow and to find those kind of moments of um analog play um, and they're becoming more ritualized um, in the family home so they'll carve out time for things like that as a way to make sure that they've kind of punctuated the week with those um, moments hmm. of togetherness. That's very interesting. You had a um, blog recently about the Greta Thunberg effect mm -hmm. on brands. Um, I mean between all of the, the activity that's happening with digital privacy laws um, for kids and her, 
are we actually seeing sort of a real moment for kids mm. at a societal level do you feel or 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 are we sort of just um you know getting um dazzled by headlines yeah i think she represents a a shift in dynamics between adult and children mm. so i mean she she is leading the environmental movement mm. and she is a child and that in itself is really quite fascinating so i think we've seen a lot of uh, fluidity increase um on things like um ethnicity and gender mm. and a lot more kind of diversity and the next the next stage in that i think is in age um, and we've got a situation where we've got kids leading really quite serious adult movements like mm. that and we also have a lot of adults in power that kind of behave like children <laughs> so, we, <laughs> so we have this really interesting flip dynamic going on what i would say is i don't think that these are the first kids to ever care this much about the world or mm. kind of existential crises i think i think all generations have sort of felt that and seen that and all generations have grown up with kind of volatile things happening in the world but mm. what's different about these kids is kind of three things one is the access that they've got to to that information and the live stream of mm. it that they're getting it's coming directly often into their personal devices that's very different so they have a front row seat to it there's mm. less cocooning um secondly is that um their parents are having more conversations with them about it and they're being asked their opinion more and mm. generally the role of children in society is you know we've kind of gone from seen and not heard to leading the environmental right. movement and right. um, so they feel like you know they're kind of invited more into that um conversation and then the thirdly is is how they're um how they're viewing content the type of content that they're watching so they're able to watch this and understand it through different lenses so whether that's through influences that they watch or whether it's through what we've seen is things like um scratch communities online kids mm. are going on there and they're they're building games about like trump and the wall mm. and and the environmental movement so they have these kind of different creative ways of trying to make sense of what's happening in the world and all of that kind mm. of amplifies it and that's what makes it feel much more sort of intense and, and, and kind of real for them versus previous generations you know when you walk around um toy conferences and toy fairs um, you hear sort of a lot of discussion about how kids are getting older, younger. But what you're describing is is quite different. It's, it's or perhaps the next stage of that where kids are being given sort of more respect and authority and to a degree more autonomy yeah. younger. Do you think that's an extension of something or is that something that has been created by technology saturation i think content and access definitely has a big role to play in that yeah. i don't know if they're getting older older younger or it's just that the child and adult worlds have become less separate right so there was a real distinction mm. between them i mean quite literally if you look at the way a family designs its house now mm. <laughs> they want it open plan they want to be in the shared in the shared space whereas mm. before it was like you know the kids go off there and have their own separate space and like the worlds have quite literally physically and emotionally come much closer together and that's that's where i think that the shift has come yeah, from yeah. and i mean how should brands be thinking about what's going on because i mean they you know in the kids space brands say you know a number of challenges you know in terms of reach and effectiveness and, and privacy and safety 
and now they have to deal with this generation. Mm. You know, what, what what sort of general advice do you give? I think that you know, purpose branding is you know something that's been you know hot mm. hot topic for some time now, but actually hasn't tri- tri- trickled down that far into the kids' space. And I mm. think there's a there's a lot of work to be done there, um, and parents and children themselves are going to become much more. Um, kind of sophisticated in how they judge brands on that and there's some real kind of um tensions in 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 what we see other kind of existential crises that kids are aware of and the world faces and then what's actually um kind of um driving and being really popular in kid culture for example unboxing you know is really a a sort of trend about overpackaged goods mm-hmm. and mass consumerism even slime is a very unsustainable um kind of product you know once you made it it's it kind of right. it never <laughs> disappears so there are some real um yeah there's some real kind of tensions there i think to to net out um and and brands are maybe in the kids space and maybe being a little bit too slow in in kind of bringing the two together i think and what about uh, um brands outside of the core kids space i mean you know pineapple lounge works with yeah. with a, a range of companies um and, and a range of sectors i mean when you look at sort of some of the digital services companies or the mm. apparel companies i mean are they thinking differently yeah. does almost not being in the core kids space give them an advantage in that respect yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think I think we're we're kind of we're reaching the end of time where those brands can ignore that kids are using their services, right. um, which is where we've been for some time now, and um, that's becoming I think less acceptable with the more kind of examples and stories that come in into the media and the more pressure that they get that they get under. And I think mm. also. There is, um, I don't know, you talk about this a lot, that the internet isn't really designed for children and yet they're spending a lot of time on there. And I think I think there is a growing uh, kind of acceptance that more has to be done there. So we are seeing an interest from platforms that do not target kids um, and they're nervous, like it's mm. new for them. Like they they, they don't want to, to do anything that's inappropriate. Right. Um, but there's also that, that sense that like there is a responsibility there to accept mm. that, you know, there are young people using their services and, and they need to make it better for them. And for companies who aren't in any of the kids' verticals who work with you, I mean, is it typically or the the product managers or maybe a strategy person or exec teams that are coming to you to try and figure out like what building a kid's relationship with their product or service would look like? Yeah, a bit a, a mix of all of those really, right. and often often um, obviously from a business um, business insights point of view as well in terms of. Um, what are the sort of responsibility um, mm. that, that that we need to adhere to, but also what's the commercial potential here if mm. we actually created something that mm. is um, designed for these kids that does solve some of these problems that parents have actually um, that that could be quite compelling and, and, and quite commercial advantage. And let's do some name dropping. Um, I mean, what brands have you been particularly impressed with mm-hmm. in terms of their approach to this generation? I really like Tokoboka, um, because I feel like they have remained true to their um, their kind of commitment to swim mm. against the tide in that app market. They've really gone against the model um, 
and, and kind of stuck to their guns there. And it, mm. and it works. They've built a brand um, rather than just another game. Mm. Um, and, and you can see that as they're rolling it out into other places. Um, and also Barbie as well. Um, <clears throat> I'm quite a quite a personal fan of Barbie. Um, and I just think that they have completely... Um, updated their mm. whole vibe energy um it feels really really fresh really contemporary they keep pushing the boundaries on their diversification um and it just the the whole line just is just looking great at the moment it's, mm. it's really turned around <clears throat> those are two really interesting and, and very different examples mm. i mean tokoboka we actually had bjorn on the podcast mm. um and he, he sort of told the whole story but they're owned by Spinmaster today and have sort of continued to grow under yeah. their stewardship and, and are still one of, by far, I would say, the biggest sort of digitally native brands, yeah. you know, for kids at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of, I'm, I'm still waiting for the toy line. I'm not sure if that's going to come out, um, but it, it, it's very interesting to look at. And then Barbie, of course, is a name that everyone has known. Yeah. Um, do you think, I mean, you know, toy companies are facing lots of, interesting pretty existential challenges yeah i mean like when you think about some of these companies i mean we talked about mattel and spin master there in 10 years time like what do you think a toy company is Mm. i think play is is one of my kind of areas of passion Mm. and i vlog and blog um and and kind of i'm writing a book about that at the moment and i think our relationship with play um as a culture is going to change quite rapidly i mm. think it's it's growing to become recognized as a really um effective tool in mm. um well-being and mental health mm. and it does the same job as some of the other trends like yoga and mindfulness and i right. think i think currently we still see toys as these are like kids things and they're kind of trends and fads but i think as time move for as time moves forwards we will be more interested in um the play value and the kind of experience and the way that we set up that for children and for parents mm. as well, both together and separately. Mm. So I think there may be um, a, a shift away from constant churns of, of fads um, mm. and kind of this whole, I think there might be a pushback against over over licensing um, and over kind of that sticker gun approach to a character on everything and more focus on what is the actual thing what is the actual play pattern that comes from this um and how does that bring um value to to my child and 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 to my whole family i think it's a great opportunity also to shout out your instagram account which is very focused on play it's it like, is it, yeah it's, it's, so it's yeah i talk about living living playfully is what yeah. it's all about so yeah i have a a, a very engaged community um mostly of parents who uh-huh. are all um really interested in this topic um uh-huh. and they want to to learn more about how they can facilitate play and it's it's fascinating because lots of them they want to get more play into their lives but often they don't know how to do it because they haven't been played with themselves as a child because they've uh-huh. come from a different generation and um, so that's that's an opportunity for brands as well to to uh-huh. help facilitate that and, and kind of help them um get more of that into their kids lives so play is the new mindfulness. Play is the new mindfulness, yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh, well, Emma Worlow from the Pineapple Lounge, thank you very much for joining us thank on you. Kid Tech today. You're welcome.